0: I'm Duncan McLeod, and this is TCS, the Tech Central show. TCS is brought to you by MTN Business. You can visit them at mtnbusiness.co.za, and we thank them for partnering with the show. Now, longtime readers of Tech Central may remember a podcast and an article we wrote, I think it was about 10 years ago now, with Cory de Yacher of Hydrox Holdings, at the time had developed a technology that they said had um, or represented a major step forward in unlocking the hydrogen era. Um, uh, this stuff is well beyond this lowly writer 's pay grade, but uh, the claim was uh, was this: uh, Diachrin and his team had developed a membraneless technique for splitting water into its component parts of hydrogen and oxygen with the promise of helping the world get to non-polluting hydrogen fuel cell-powered cars and other technologies sooner rather than later. Um, this idea is could rather dramatically improve the way hydrogen is produced and lower the costs thereof. Now, a lot has changed in 10 years, Corey, I'm sure. Uh, technology moves at a rapid pace. Um, before we get into what you've been up to in that time and some of the advances you've been making with hydrox holdings including what I believe are some significant uh, technological developments recently just take a bit of, take us through the history of hydrox how this how you got involved in this space um, and uh, what what the potential is of of the technology that you're developing
1: thanks uh, Duncan for the opportunity as well. Uh, My background was on the legal profession. Uh, I've been a lawyer for 45 years, and then I retired some six years ago. But prior to that, I was very interested in making some contribution towards making the world green. Mm -hmm. Now, um, the, the challenge was always, how can we get hydrogen out of water? Water is plentiful, and there's a lot of hydrogen in water. That's very simple science. But the, how do we get it out? And this is where we started. A, a couple of engineers and businessmen, we got together and said, let's, let's take this challenge on. And we started. That was 25 years ago. Wow! So, in, uh, yeah, that was in the year 2000. We started on this. And it was very exciting. And we developed various kinds of uh, units that we can split the water. But eventually, it dawned on us this is very dangerous because the hydrogen and oxygen that you generate from this is a very volatile mixture so with a spark or even uh, static electricity in the air you can actually ignite it and it explodes it doesn't burn mm-hmm. so it was quite quite uh, a challenge to get the hydrogen and the oxygen separated but you you before we
0: get into even any of that uh, Corey, your your background is in law you're a former attorney uh how does a former attorney or an attorney at the time uh get into into this particular area how did how did, what was the genesis of all of this
1: well, I, I come out of a family where we grew up uh, force uh, brothers, uh, and they're all in- engineers. I'm the odd one out. Okay. I was also entered in an engineering degree, and I changed it. And I said, no, I would rather go for, for legal. Mm-hmm. But my, my passion has always been uh, being part of you know, doing something worthwhile, and engineering and science has interested me all along. So uh, this was always a challenge for me. You know, we can work, and we all do something, but... What legacy do we leave behind? What what major steps can we do to make the world a better place? Now, uh, this is uh, what drives me and this is what drives our whole group of, of uh, directors and engineers still involved in our company. It's, let's do something major. Let's do something. And do something nobody has, has done before. Mm-hmm. So we, w- we started off, as I say, you know, various uh, units running a car on this very dangerous gas, taking the car even to Fort in Silverton and showing them the car. There was a Mazda I can remember it very well. <laughs> and we had a lot of flame arresters because if it's uh, if there's a backflash or whatever, this thing will explode. So we had to stop this explosion. And we had f- interesting uh, results. Uh, 82% drop in carbon hydrates at the back. So your, your exhaust didn't uh, waste a lot of energy anymore. Your, your, we had to adjust the timing. So we spend a lot of work, even at Tuckys, We spend mm-hmm. a lot of the engineering department running our cars on their machinery there. And uh, we could prove that there is a huge benefit if you add hydrogen to normal combustion. This was not purely hydrogen. It was hydrogen-oxygen mix, and we used the car's battery to, to uh, give us the power to split the unit. And it was like the size of a two-liter bottle. That we put inside the car, we use the battery, the 12-volt from there, we split the water into this uh, component's hydrogen and oxygen, and we feed that into the carburetor. But as I say, it's not to be uh, done at home. It can be very quite very dangerous. dangerous. <laughs> so th- that's where we started. And then we, we got the message now. Ford tested it for us over two days extensively, yeah. and they gave us very nice report. Uh, I'll not go into the technical details, but it's funny games, you know, that we could actually change a lot of things. Uh, your your uh, mixture was a twenty six to one mixture compared to a fourteen to one mixture currently. You know, yeah. so there was a lot of potential, but uh, it was too dangerous. Let's so th- let's get back to
0: brass brass tax here. What is hydrogen, and why is it suitable as a fuel?
1: Well, hydrogen is an energy carrier, and it's the most abundant element in the universe. It's in everything, as we mm-hmm. said. Everything that lives has got a hydrogen in it. And uh, the challenge was always how do you uh, how do you break the bonding, especially in water if you take water as a, as a medium h uh, two o how do you break that to a molecular part to get the atoms out
0: so does hydrogen not s- exist on its own on earth uh, very literally?
1: very few there is some uh, instances now in uh, i think in, in down in Africa in the middle of africa in, mm-hmm. in France now they 've got some pockets of they say pure hydrogen. They call it white hydrogen, but that's still not commercially available that you can get hydrogen freely. It, it tends to, to bind. If you have hydrogen right now here, it will immediately bind with the oxygen form okay. water. Okay. So you don't have hydrogen freely available. Uh, maybe down in the earth uh, there is some, you know... Trapped uh, somewhere. Yeah. Mm. F- uh, this is what they're trying to do as well, but but not really available. Mm-hmm. So the challenge always has been how do you get hydrogen out of water economically?
0: So is it oxygen that it typically binds to? It doesn't Typically bind to other.
1: No, it, it binds to a animals. lot of lot of things. This is uh, your your steam methane reformation is one process. It it, it binds to. It forms in a, with nitrogen. It forms ammonia, and you can have methanol. CO2 so hydrogen binds with a lot, a lot of things yeah, yeah indeed but uh, to get it out of hid- uh, water because water is the most easy one and the nice thing about it is if you break it apart you have the hydrogen and you use it through a fuel cell or even an internal combustion engine mm-hmm. which is the new ones they're developing right now it becomes water again okay so it's, it's there's no wastage of water this is what's nice about it the only thing that's wasted is the energy to break it apart yes and that is the challenge how okay. much energy you require to get the hydrogen and out. that's
0: quite significant isn't it
1: Yeah, and, and i think uh, maybe to mention here as well uh, duncan is is that there's no carbon involved in the process Ninety uh, percent of all hydrogen currently is made through the steam methane, methane reformation where there's a lot of co2s generated mm-hmm. By means of heating up uh, water or s- s- a methane, as a matter of fact, to very high temperatures and getting the hydrogen out. But the CO2 is, is seriously uh, polluting. So they've got to capture that, and that's why they call it blue hydrogen. Where you, you produce hydrogen, and oh. you capture it, and you store the, the CO2. But what do you do with the CO2 now? So that's a challenge. But if you take water, it's H2O. There's no seas, mm-hmm. no carbon, no carbon dioxide, nothing. Mm-hmm. So this is why it's, it's a clean, and everybody's going for electrolysis of water. This is the, the ultimate uh, the silver bullet, if we can do that. Mm-hmm. But it was, uh, up to now, it's very uh, expensive. The, the electricity uh, component is mm-hmm. the one that...
0: How much energy are we talking about here?
1: Uh, uh, one uh, kilogram of hydrogen. The, the norm is normally, what is one kilogram of hydrogen gives you about uh, 39.4 kilowatts of energy. But how much kilowatts does it take to generate mm-hmm. This is what it's about. Normally, 55 kilowatts per kilogram of hydrogen. So you have a 70, 72, 75 percent efficiency factor. Okay. But if you can bring the electricity down to have it more efficient, this is what we're all striving for. Mm-hmm. This is where I think we we now have a, a huge answer.
0: Okay. Well, take us through the the um, device or the the technology you've you've patented here and and how it works. Okay.
1: F- you know, for this uh, past nearly 200 years uh, electrolysis has been made out of uh, two electrodes and in between you have a membrane the membrane is is like a piece of plastic or a cloth and that just stops the gases from migrating across to the other electrode on the on the positive side you have your your oxygen on the negative side you have your hydrogen and but in between there's a membrane the membrane stops the the um, The gases from migrating and you know again becoming very explosive, so that 's why you must have pure hydrogen by the way, uh, purity in beyond ninety four percent if you have a, a four four running a fuel cell, you need ninety nine point nine nine five percent purity mm-hmm. very very high grade purity if it 's got too much uh, oxygen in its explosive, and nobody wants to touch it so that 's why. Uh, To get it, um, the the hydrogen is pure, is is the challenge, and this is what we've managed to do. But again, if you look at the process, uh, you've got the two electrodes uh, separated by a membrane. And that's been done, as I say, for nearly 200 years in the same fashion. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got two processes. The one is an alkaline, the one is a PEM. And now you've got a solid oxide on the side, which is not really commercially available as yet. But the PEMs and the Oloxides, uh, the uh, PEMS and the and alkalines as well as the solid oxides all uses membranes. Solid oxides, very high temperature, above 750 degrees Celsius, up to 1,000 degrees Celsius, and that all uses membranes. That's a ceramic membrane that it doesn't melt. Mm-hmm. And this is why the, the, the challenge was, can you get something done without a membrane? And this is what we did we started working on the process. Why did we do it, by the way? Because we couldn't afford the membranes; they were too expensive. Okay. We said, "Okay, your process up to now was uh, the, the, the liquid that is in between, which is water, and you, you have some electrolytic uh, solution in there, which is normally KOH potassium hydroxide, and that is running parallel to the electrodes, and then out and in between the membranes." I say, and one of our uh, inventors, a uh, brilliant engineer, George Anagnostopoulos up, he invented the way and he said, why go parallel? Let's have perforated electrodes. Instead of going parallel to the electrodes, let's go through the electrodes. So we don't have this pathway along the electrodes, which also creates problems because if there's a lot of bubbles, it stops the current from flowing through. Mm-hmm. The membrane allows the electricity to go through in layman's term now. Sure. Uh, but it stops the bubbles from passing through. So you have on one side, you have the oxygen. On the other side, you have the hydrogen. And the the fluid, the the, uh, water going across with it, and then it's removed by means of a gravitation process. But George changed the process. He says instead of having electrodes that spiral, we have electrodes that we will go through. So we just use pressure through the electrodes. Pressure from, you know, you've got circumferential flow from around the edges through the center of the electrodes outside. It's like having two um, uh, pieces of uh, pipe next to each other with Mm. a small one millimeter gap. And you have pressure all around. The flow goes through the pipes and out. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. No membrane. And that's what we we astonished the scientific world by succeeding in building these. We built various ones. The first ones were very small. The others are much bigger now, and they all work, and it's a perfect separation. Hydrogen on one side, oxygen on the other, and no membrane involved. So we're very proud of that. Okay. And uh, then you capture it again using yeah. gravity. Yeah. You, you, for, you, it goes through a gravitation process. Mm-hmm. You have little lots of uh, mm-hmm. uh, marble balls all over, and you break this. Uh, the uh, the uh, hydrogen and the oxygen. On the one side, the oxygen releases if you break the surface tension, the water runs down below, you capture it again, you recirculate it. Mm-hmm. So that's as simple as that. And the gases go up and they, they, you, you capture it on the top. That's a standard process. That's, uh, every single electrolyzer uses the same kind of process. It's, there's nothing uh, strange to that. So
0: what is the significance of, of what you've done here? What is the significance of this invention?
1: Well, initially we started off, we have less components. We don't have a membrane. So immediately your cost factor and your longevity will be much better now because mm-hmm. you don't have to replace a membrane every five, six years. There's at a commercial scale, I mean, what are we looking at
0: here? How big are these membranes, these devices for doing this work?
1: Uh, the, the, the membranes itself is about a meter by 800 meters. And then they, they all, 800 meters? Uh, eight, uh, no, 800 millimeters. millimeters okay. Meter by meter. <laughs> by, <laughs> and, and then you, you stack them. You have about 66 of them them to make one megawatt okay. so they they all stack next to each other and you know the flow is through them and mm. the, this is just also very standard but without a membrane we have one less component and suddenly we have less resistance because your membrane also creates resistance and this is what what causes the electricity to go up mm. but the the nice thing about our process is and that's what we've been working on the last couple of years is we can suddenly go to a um, uh Areas where nobody could go before, the PEMs or the alkalines, they couldn't go to higher temperatures because the membranes pop. The membranes don't like high temperatures. And then they, 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 if, they, if they break apart or they fall apart, or they, then you have crossover of gases and then your whole system stops. You know? and, and this is what you don't want. So suddenly we can go to higher temperatures. Uh, why is that important? Because suddenly you have much better kinetics. You have much better thermodynamic effects. Uh, your, your current densities increase, uh, you can now, instead of cooling the system, and this is another factor, uh, your, your uh, cost of hydrogen is is governed by two things only. Um, the, the cost of the unit, the electrolyzer itself, which is about 25%, that includes the, the maintenance and replacement cost of electrodes and membranes. That's 25% of the total cost of the produced hydrogen. But 75%, the bulk, is for electricity. Mm-hmm. Your electricity feed is the most important component here. But unfortunately, due to the current processes used in all these units, there's a buildup of heat, and the heat's got to be removed. Mm-hmm. You can't operate beyond 80 to maximum 90 degrees centigrade. Otherwise, the membranes will start falling apart, and you will have crossover, and you've got to stop it. But that, that to get that uh, temperature down takes a lot of energy, about 40% of your total 75%. Is uh, heat generation that you've got to remove. So suddenly you have huge losses because of the heat. Electricity that you can't utilize in, in, in making hydrogen. That's why your efficiency of the whole process is between 72 and 75%. I'm talking of system efficiency. I'm not talking of only the stack efficiency. The overall efficiency of uh, generating of putting electricity in there and making hydrogen through a normal process is 75% maximum efficient. So there's a, there's a lot of scope to bring the efficiency up. And now we're back to what we have in this country. We have sunshine. We have maybe a little bit of uh, wind. We don't have hydro. But uh, if we utilize that and bring the cost down of the electricity feed, we can bring the cost of the hydrogen down. Mm. Again, practical terms, what does one kilogram of hydrogen? Uh, The energy value is equal to uh, four liters of petrol. Okay. So it's uh, based on the American gallon system. How much is a gallon of imperial gallon of petrol compared to what they call it gasoline? Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, the one kilogram, you know, how much energy do you 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 take to make the hydrogen, and what is the energy value of that uh, hydrogen coming out? So that's where the that seventy-two, seventy-five percent comes in. But now with a higher temperature, we suddenly go where nobody could go before. We can now go to, say, 250, 200. We call it the intermediate uh, range energy range, electricity range, where we go to 200 to 300 degrees centigrade. And so wow. things change altogether. It's not that, that hot interesting. With the, with the uh, solid oxides, they go up to 1,000 degrees centigrade. But, and that's challenges on, on the materials. And where do you get the energy? Now you've got to put it next to the solid oxide, now, next to a nuclear station to get that high temperature. <laughs> so what's the sense? Mm. It's, it's, uh, you know It doesn't make any sense at all. But now with our intermediate, energy, uh, intermediate temperature range, we can now go to 250 degrees at about 30 bar pressure, which is also a benefit if you get it at the end. It's already compressed to a certain extent. But uh, the efficiencies, electrical efficiencies, go up to 95%. It's now uh, endothermic. We utilize the, the heat that's in the system instead of uh, uh, cooling it away. We can use the, the heat that's already in the system as part of the energy and that makes it fantastic. And the other nice thing is because of the kinetic reactions of the higher temperature, uh, you, you suddenly have a tenfold increase in, uh, in current densities, meaning a smaller unit can make much more hydrogen, mm-hmm. which cannot be done with membrane systems because of the clogging of the bubbles and uh, the, the, uh, they don't have the kinetic benefits. And suddenly with the higher temperatures, I mean, well, it just changes mm-hmm. everything. A tenfold increase. A smaller unit can make much, much more, by order of magnitude, more uh, hydrogen than anything else. So that will bring the cost of the units down again. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're very excited about the potential. So, yeah. So is this working in practice? Have
0: you uh, have you actually developed this in a? We've
1: we've developed just the the basic one to proof, and we've I must give credit to Shell uh, through their game changer program. They've sponsored us. And Shell, we, Shell, mm-hmm. Shell in the Netherlands. Yeah, it was quite a challenge. We couldn't mention their name initially, and we were the very first ones in Africa, ex-Africa, you know. So (laughs) we were the very first ones supported by them in Africa. And um, they said to us also the most successful of the whole Game Changer range. So they will probably be also involved in the next phase. So we proved the principle that we can do it at lower temperatures, at 80 degrees, at normal five bar pressure. But now to take it to the next level, we have to test that as well. But Mm -hmm. theoretically, there's nothing in our way. The, the issues we've got to solve is just what materials are we going to use of construction? Is it polypropylene, polyethylene, what kind of plastics mm-hmm. that can handle the higher temperatures and the higher pressures? And then the anode, because the anode is corrosive on the uh, at, at the higher temperatures. We've got to look at, you know, is it titanium instead of nickel? Mm-hmm. But these are things that can be solved by the clever guys.
0: But what does it mean for the, the commercials around… Um Around producing hydrogen um, how, how much cheaper do you think it will be using this new method
1: well number one if you if you don 't have to waste forty percent of your seventy five percent energy on on electricity on cooling it down that 's a thirty percent saving on the total cost of, of hydrogen okay that 's a one start, so at least we'll say thirty percent drop in the price of of uh, hydrogen compared to what it is currently, so that 's a major step it 's not incremental. And then we talk of the increase in current densities. I I, I don't want to venture on that, but, uh, you know, of the 25%, suddenly that could be halved, I should Mm -hmm. think. So, uh, you know, I I don't want to speculate. Let's leave that up to the the clever guys. There were many studies done already on higher temperature and the benefits. In Europe, especially by the Danish Technical University, we've got the full cooperation. We're using their publications where they've proven all of this but they couldn't go further with their tests because their membranes popped. They tried to do different kinds of membranes. We don't have membranes. So suddenly these guys are very keen to work with us to test it at the higher temperatures. And if we can achieve a 30% or a 40% saving on the cost of uh, hydrogen... Wow, mm-hmm. we can compete with with fossil fuels. Okay, it's going to change the world, and there's no pollution involved.
0: I was going to ask about the, the future of of motoring here and transportation. I know that um, Anglo American, uh, I think it might be their Platinum division. Don't quote me on that, um, has deployed uh, hydrogen. Uh, powered um, trucks in its mines uh, and uh, they've been in the logistics industry. I know Amazon uses hydrogen forklift trucks and I think it's quite hydrogen is quite a popular uh, fuel for use in warehouse type environments and that sort of thing. But it hasn't really taken off in in, broader, in the broader motoring industry. I know Toyota years ago built a hydrogen car and I think I think it was only ever sold in Japan. You might, might know the details about that. I know BMW recently has been talking up hydrogen cars again and saying this is the future beyond EVs. Um, Is it purely the cost of producing hydrogen that's holding back hydrogen cars or are there other factors at play as well?
1: I think... Two two things here, which is important. Why hydrogen hasn't taken off, but by the way, it's taking off big time now. Okay, the has committed, uh, America's changed to uh, hydrogen now, so the electrical side will still be there, EVs. But um, uh, you know that doesn't solve the issues of refilling and the mm-hmm. range, and so and then the cost eventually. So so hydrogen is now on the verge of exploding. It's just going to happen big time everywhere you see it. We get so many inquiries. Um, the two things that affected uh, the, the, the takeoff of hydrogen was where do you get the hydrogen? If you go now in South Africa or in Africa and you say where do you get the hydrogen, there's only a couple of uh, places you can get it. But mm-hmm. most important, what's the cost of the hydrogen? Mm-hmm. Uh, in practical terms, South Africa, you're going to pay 500 rand per kilogram of hydrogen. Wow. That's true, um, if you can get it. So again, nobody's going to buy it at that rate. No. So suddenly we say we can do it at about 120 rands a kilogram that's possible that's even with our standard technology with our we call it the advanced alkaline neutralizer which is a state of the art mm-hmm. system utilizing a membrane we've we've gone and we've engineered a, a, an electrolyzer just to get the cash flow going a standard system well, We have many years of experience in this field so our guys build this a standard one where we, uh, we've we got a 20 kilowatt unit that produces 5 kilograms just a demonstration unit it's a, got a zero gap system a membrane in between two electrodes on the side we get very good 72% efficiencies and, and this can be done and even on that one uh, we can make hydrogen about 120 rand a kilogram mm-hmm. which is much less than you can buy it. This is now purely at manufacturing cost, not included your your markups and whatever the case sure. is. But with the economies of scale if you do more than one and you start building them a big time that's going to come down. I mean there's no question about it. But at this stage uh, the big manufacturers do not want to make smaller units anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyson 25 megawatts they don't want to build small ones we, we say let's build a 250 kilowatt and then a 1 megawatt that is um, 1 megawatt can give a thousand houses uh, electricity mm-hmm. especially in Africa smaller houses so there's a huge demand if we can solve Africa's issues and we don't have to look to go to Europe and places like that and in any event I'm, I'm, uh, I, I don't think we can Compete with um, Algeria, Morocco uh, up there north. They've got all the sunshine, all the wind, and all the resources. Mm. So how can we compete with them from down here? You know, transporting our hydrogen by boat all the way up there, and Spain even are they putting up huge solar plants there?
0: This is the green hydrogen. I'm talking of green hydrogen. Green hydrogen, absolutely. So that's hydrogen produced with renewable energy. Absolutely.
1: Africa has got 600 million people. It's got no access to electricity. So even Nigeria, our biggest economy, suffers with electricity. There's lots of people that's got no electricity or very bad electricity, even here in our country. I mean, you sit with farmers, you sit with industry, they're moving out because they can't afford this uh, breakdowns. If you can give them electricity all the time, and even so, your cement and your your steel industries, and mobility. Mm -hmm. If we can have hydrogen stations where you can get your hydrogen, you can run your cars, it's going to change everything. And it's now within our grasp. I'm talking of existing uh, systems that we have, which you can roll out in 12 months' time, but beyond that, the DEF technology which is going to bring the cost down considerably. That's going to take another two, three years. It's got to be developed, but we're confident that that, that can be solved. We're putting a consortium together now of international companies and institutions that has got the facility and the scientists to do it. So to take us through this technology, what did you call it? DEFT, D-E-F-T. DEFT. Yeah, it means Divergent Electrode Flow-Through. Right. This is our technology with no membrane, and this is the one that we patented, and we got all the awards internationally as well.
0: Okay. Okay. What are some of those awards
1: that you've won? Well, it's from the iChemic Awards, the International Chemical Engineering Awards. We got, uh, the I think, the ones I'm the most proud of is from the uh, Monaco Hydrogen Alliance. They, they had a forum, and we've been invited now. We've been just made a, a member of them as well. We're very okay. proud of that. And uh, they gave us, you know, of the five awards, we, we had two of the international awards, and we competed against the, some of the biggest companies in the world we got the best emerging technology in the top 3 award so that was amazing and this was uh, handed over by prince uh, albert II uh, mm-hmm. himself mm-hmm. i'm very proud of that you know so <laughs> shaking a prince's hand <laughs> so suddenly i mean, the world is now taking cognizance of what we're doing mm-hmm. and and now it's a matter of us to to take it forward and and we we're asking people to join us to mm-hmm. get involved you know help mm-hmm. us let's let's go and change the world it can be done let's make it green let's leave a proper legacy
0: so where is this going? I mean, is this technology going to be used by big companies producing hydrogen, or do you think do you see a future where I could potentially, as a homeowner, buy this product and install it in my house and produce my own hydrogen to run my hydrogen car and, and, and to service my own energy needs? Could we get to that point, or is this only ever going to be produced by big companies?
1: Uh- Duncan, you, your problem here is uh, the normal homeowner shall, will not be able to afford it. Okay. You'll probably in a neighborhood, you will clock together and you get 10 or 20 or 100 people. And say let's, let's put up electrolyzer and do our own energy. Mm-hmm. Because it, the, these, you know, the bigger your unit is, the less the capital costs. And this okay. is the question. So, and one of these small ones is about a million dollars. It's very expensive. So this is unfortunately the, the nature of the beast. It's, it's mm-hmm. not cheap. So if you want to buy it, you've got to stand together and and do it. Maybe township developers, yes, they can put it in. And we already get inquiries from that as well, people saying, can't we change and and work? Because uh, this is the future. If you can go green again, where does the energy come from to split the water? So if you can have enough solar, and again, you're sitting with maybe wheeling, getting the wind from down in the Western Cape where Mm -hmm. there's lots of wind, Uh, that can be done. And we're also in talks with ESCOM. So they're very excited about this, and this is what's nice. So things are happening, notwithstanding that we're all a bit careful when we talk about ESCOM. These guys are trying, so we're very uh, confident that there's going to be solutions, and it's going to be green solutions. And Africa can spearhead that. Mm
0: -hmm. Are there any hydrogen-powered vehicles in South Africa currently?
1: Not that I know of. The ones that we've seen as demonstration ones, it's the Mirai, the one from Toyota. Toyota. The so they have brought a demo unit yes. in to test it out in this market. Yes, yes. And, and Who's doing that? I, I'm not sure okay. at this stage. There's some colleges that were involved in, especially having a bicycle and a golf cart and stuff like that. Yes. I think sign in the Cape was at one stage busy with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But but once you have the hydrogen available and it's affordable, mm it's the market's just going to to run mm. it, it, the farmers are looking for it this is big mm. the mines uh, they, they want to get uh, hydrogen down below because you can run a fuel cell right there in the shaft there's no toxic fumes nothing mm. you've got to you know circulate all the air and get it out it's just fantastic it's, it's just the answer but uh, again where do you get it what do you pay for it mm-hmm. and this is where i believe we have the answer okay
0: so what are the barriers to to the world adopting this technology um I mean, obviously, I imagine you'd want to get the, the cost of the energy below fossil fuels in short order. And once that happens, there's just going to be natural demand for it. Uh, how far are we from that point?
1: Yeah, it, it's it's not really, to be below fossil fuels, Mm -hmm. it's to be close to fossil fuels. Remember, a fuel cell has got a 60% efficiency factor compared to a motor car, which has got about a 30% efficiency factor. So you can get double the mileage, if you want to look at it that way, from hydrogen compared to petrol. So even though you pay a premium for your your hydrogen, it, it it's going to give you a, a much better uh, you know distance to travel mm. compared to petrol. So uh, from that, you just got to be close. And this is where if we can bring the cost down by thirty or forty percent, we're already. Uh, beating uh, the price of of, of, uh, fossil fuels. Uh, So, yes, it's possible. But the the trouble up to now was the majority of hydrogen is manufactured from methane. Mm -hmm. Steam methane reformation It's just hugely polluting, and and that's not what you really want. So if we can get it from water, and we believe we're there now, it's it's going to revolutionize everything. We're Mm -hmm. on the verge of an explosion into hydrogen Mm and making the world green. It's, It's going to have a massive effect. What hurdles do you still need to overcome? Um, technology. We we have to test it. Uh, financial, we've got to get the monies to test it. It's expensive, uh, you know, to pay the engineers and get this done. It's, it's not cheap. And, and that's it. But it's, it's solvable. It's really solvable. It's within reach. And and you know we are inviting people to get involved uh, mm-hmm. to get in touch. So with you're us. looking for
0: capital, range, range venture capital funding at this. Absolutely, yeah.
1: absolutely. If we can get that, we can solve the issues very quickly. It's it's uh, we can short term build the the alkaline one, mm-hmm. locally. It's it can be containerized. We can put it in a, on, a, on a low bed. You can deliver it where the people want it, and all you need is steam and water, and that's a normal reverse osmosis little machine. And the, uh, the electricity, which is hopefully um, renewables, mm-hmm. and then you can produce hydrogen. And you know the nice thing? For one kilogram of hydrogen, there's eight kilograms of pure oxygen, which is currently just bled off. Mm-hmm. But you can give that to the hospitals. You can make a huge difference in people's lives. Mm. It's People a big industry, with, yeah. With, with these uh, tunnel farming, the fish farms, they want oxygen in there. Yeah, So that, that's another huge possibility. Yeah, yeah.
0: And the safety issues around producing hydrogen, have you overcome those? I mean, yes, no. Yeah. We,
1: we've, we've been through that. <laughs> very, very good question. Hydrogen is not, uh, if it's pure, yeah. there's no risk of explosion at all. And I'm talking of beyond 94%. But mm-hmm. we talk of 99995 for for uh, fuel cells. Mm-hmm. So there's no doubt about it. I mean, you, you, you always talk about this blimp, the uh, Zeppelin that exploded, yes. you know. But that never exploded. It burned. Caught fire. And it fell to the ground. Mm. If that, that hydrogen was pure, it would have exploded. There would have been no camera crew down below. There would have been a massive hole in the ground. <laughs> Nobody would have survived the accident. So it just shows you hydrogen is, in fact, it's flammable with oxygen, but not yes. in, on its own indeed. On its own, yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, but uh, the fact that you're separating them at quite close proximity, that, that, is there that, risk there?
1: No, 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 we've sorted all of that out, now, and, and we've got so many hazops that that's done on the on the system itself. Yeah. You know, from Shell's angle, they had oh, they had all these experts coming in and. Everything is, is also done by PLC. So we're sitting with, with uh, Siemens uh, programs and computer mm-hmm. systems. So everything is managed. You know, the flows, the purities, everything. If something should go wrong and we hope it doesn't, then immediately the system kicks in and stops it all. So mm-hmm. no, no no risk at all there. Okay. But if you should now mess around with it, yes, I'm, I'm sure you're going to look for trouble. That's why we have it enclosed in, 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 in a container. All you can do is uh, put in water, uh, demon water, and electricity, and that's it. You're not allowed to open it. You're not allowed to mess around with it. And then the technicians will come and service it Mm -hmm. once in a couple of years' time and replace some of the components as they fall due. But this is what's nice about it. It's actually manageable. For example, if we want to do it quickly in this country, it's a matter of taking the old Sasol model where you have your filling stations – um, and you have one central plant where you do it by means of containers. You, you put it in these pallets. Mm-hmm. They have all these um, containers, all these tanks standing there, and about 36 of them, and they, you put it on a truck and you deliver it to, to the uh, do gas. It's gas, mm. exactly. You deliver it to the, to the filling station and it stands above ground. You don't have to do IEAs and stuff like that. You, you just put it above ground. It's safer than the, the LP gas that's been sold inside the kiosk. That's mm. dangerous mm-hmm. because that's explosive. You, mm-hmm. you leak that and you have a flame, it's going to explode. Hydrogen doesn't explode. The test they did on the Mirai is they shot into this um, tank and they tried to explode. It doesn't explode. Mm-hmm. Simple as that because there's no oxygen in it. So and if it gets uh, it leaks, it dissipates immediately. It's the lightest element of all, so it just disappears. So it just whoops, it's gone. Mm-hmm. There's no chance of it. You know. So really, uh, we're quite happy as far as the safety aspect is concerned. and We conform to international standards. Okay.
0: Okay, Sasol seems like a company that might be interested in this sort of uh, tech. Have you had any conversations with them?
1: We had years ago with Sasol, many, many, many months ago. I'm talking about 20 years ago we, when we started off. We yeah. are way beyond that now. So okay. our, our system has changed. Our safety is much better. Everything is up. We sorted all of the issues out. We haven't had conversations with the management as yet okay. uh, because they, they, they're making the mo- most hydrogen in the country coming from coal. So, you know, they're selling hydrogen big time, mm. but only – and they use most of the hydrogen themselves, by the way, mm-hmm. to change into different kinds of chemicals and stuff. So, yes, they will be interested, uh, you know, because methane is also, you know, the, what they use from from uh, Mozambique. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure about it, But you can see the pollution over there in Secunda. It's not mm. nice. So, we can change it and make it green. Yes, by all means. We'll, we'll be very happy to talk to them. Okay. Do you um
0: in terms of commercializing this uh technology, do you see Hydrox becoming a manufacturer of, of 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 devices that do this in the field? Or do you see yourself more like a company like Arm Holdings in the UK that licenses its IP to design chips and has other companies make those chips? Do you see yourself as a as an IP company that that just simply licenses two companies so that they can build their own systems, or do you see yourself building your own systems that you then sell to, I don't know, Toyota, for example.
1: Duncan, this is much too big for us. So for us to manufacture, we can manufacture one or two demo units and that's it. But its it's got to be done under license. There's no okay. question about it. The, the, the demand is from all over the world. We have people saying, can you give us smaller units? Is it immediately available? Mm-hmm. On the dev technology, that's going to be massive. And again, we're not limited to one megawatt. We can go as big as we would like to. This is what's nice about it. It's scalable. The whole unit is scalable. As I mentioned initially, it's expensive to build one unit. We simply don't have the the funding to do it anymore. So we've Mm -hmm. got to reach out now and say, let's go and do it. But there's no limit. You can go as big as you like. And I think the ideal route is, is licensing it. Yeah, 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 we're already busy with a Austrian-Swiss uh, company. Okay, it's very keen on on licensing our technology and, and doing some of the development work for us over there, mm-hmm. which is going to take a lot of headaches away for us because we don't have to worry about that there.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, I, I can see your background in commercial law coming in handy when it comes to negotiating those contracts. But uh, you've you've also said uh, you've patented uh, the technology in various yeah. jurisdictions around the world. Um, which markets have you patented it in? And is anyone else trying to do this?
1: Uh, this has been tried for for many years people have tried to do membraneless, but they've done it on a very small scale and uh, i can keep you know busy the whole afternoon about the various ones very interesting what they've done they haven't succeeded in scaling it up it's still on 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 a um, lab scale even in, in the uk there's a company that calls themselves membrane free but it's a double process it's not done it on the first step so it's still not it's all about energy efficiency how Mm. much energy do you require to 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 make it in the end and can you scale it up and this is where we're fortunate we can scale it up ours is so simple people have asked us how the heck did you guys do it and this is on an international forum so we get where we present our technology they're just amazed and it's so simple Mm. this is what's the secret behind it so yes we've got it patented in all the major countries right around the world and uh, we renew our patents regularly, and we have new patents all the time being developed. So, yes, uh, it, it, it's nice to be part of this and to develop it and to sit and to think. We've got the old expression, think it may be a new experience. And this is what what's, uh, what's being done here. We start and we think we've got a lot of clever guys, and they all sit together and said, let's sort this problem out. Don't worry about it. It's not been done before. Mm-hmm. Let's look at how can we resolve this. And then we get the answer, and suddenly, you know, there it is. So, yes, we're very proud.
0: Do you find there's some uh, skepticism as well on the world stage towards a company coming out of Africa claiming to, <laughs> <laughs> claiming to be able to um, um, create this world changing technology? Is there some, do you find, do you pick up any of that when you meet with people, with experts internationally who say, how the heck could this come out of the dark
1: continent? <laughs> uh, Duncan, uh, Africa does not feature on any of these renewable energy uh, uh, charts anywhere in the world. It doesn't feature. It's nowhere. Mm. We we remain the dark continent. The first time, one of our chips uh, represented, one of the engineers we sent to Madrid in Spain there was a technology challenge and they said they want to look for green uh, solutions and stuff, but they were actually looking for IP, but um, IT things, but irrespective, we presented there, and there was about 350 delegates they had five minutes to present their technology quick five minutes, and when he introduced himself and he says his name and he's from Hydrox, Holdings, Johannesburg, South Africa, when he said Africa 350 delegates turned their heads, and look at my poor engineer, (laughs) Who's never been in Europe before <laughs> he felt like he's out of place <laughs> and uh, eventually we got to the final stages we, we got through all the elimination uh, routes it was very in- exciting you yeah. know so it, it's there's a big bias against Africa make no mistake we, we, we're not known for our high tech we're not known for our technology but Bear in mind, I mean, a lot of technology has been developed in this country.
0: So has it been a bit of an uphill battle to get people to take you seriously abroad?
1: And now they're taking us seriously, yeah. indeed, with the international recognitions. And from stuff. Shell. Uh, Shell at first, yeah, that's very important to us. And then uh, from Prince uh, Albert yes. Monaco, you know, that recognition. Mm-hmm. And then from the I Chemical Engineering, uh, you know, this is international concerns that come along and give us recognition. But the main thing would be, once we have our first unit that can produce the hydrogen at much less, that's going to really uh, set the world of uh, Mm -hmm. see. Normally, your your, your investors come along and they say, okay, I'll invest in your technology. How long before we get a return on funds? Mm -hmm. And this is our big thing. There's no real venture capitalist who says, okay, I'm prepared to wait it out. I see you've got the potential. You've done all the uh, homework. You've got all the credentials, uh, we don't get that, mm-hmm. we simply don't get it and you hear all the millions and billions spent on uh, projects all over the show but it's not about venture capital being applying money and taking that opportunity and chance and, and uh, going through the stages to develop it, they want all want a return, and even the, the ones that claim to be venture capitalists, mm-hmm. they, they come along and they want a return on their monies and this is where we, we come unstuck, so we're, we're really looking for genuine venture capitalists yep. coming along Get involved in right now. The potential is enormous. Yeah. So, what sort of um, funding are you do you require to commercialize this to, technology? To, to build the AAE, the alkaline one with the membrane in between, that's a commercial one. We'll do it in two stages. We'll build the two fifty kilowatt one, and then the one megawatt. We need about sixty million rands. Sixty. Six oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Six oh million rands to build whatever. Well, one cost about one million dollars itself, just one unit. So just to give you a background, but to pay the engineers and to yeah. do all the you know work that's got to be done. There's a lot of things that's involved here. And again, you, you will only order one of it, you know, one pump and one of this and one of that. Mm-hmm. So if you do it economies of scale, the price will come down and do that and then test it extensively like we did for Shell. You run it through 1,000 to 2,000 hours continuously, 24 hours a day to test it, and then you get the sign-off, and they're happy with it. So this is what's got to be done. And then we've got the blueprints. Then we can actually now say, okay, let's go bigger, 3, 5 megawatt, whatever, there's no limit. And you can start start opening your book and say, what do you want? Mm-hmm. Do you want to buy units, or do you want to buy the hydrogen? Because I think the market also lies in people who says, I can't afford that serious 20, 30 million rands for a unit, but I'll be it to buy your hydrogen. If you can give it to me cheaper than I can get it locally, say at 200 rand a kilogram, we still make a lot of profit there, then it's easy. Then we can do takeoff agreements, supply the hydrogen, and you know your your capital is is no problem anymore for the consumer. You can buy the hydrogen as he requires it, but, you know, certain Mm -hmm. minimum per day, per month, but yeah. Um, on the other side, if we do the the uh, deaf technology, the one that's got all the patents and in the international recognition, that's going to that's an open one. I'm not sure how much it's going to cost. We're about five million dollars, because it's going to be done in Europe and in America to a certain extent, and we've got to employ a lot of these universities, and institutions. Some is going to do the material sciences. Some is going to has got the uh, the autoclaves, the high pressure uh, systems where they can test it under pressure and stuff like that. And that can be done, and if we get enough capital behind it, it can be done quickly. I think I said two, three years, but if we put drive behind it and we put our own engineers in there, we can really do it much quicker. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, Fraunhofer, so one institute in Germany, who's very much interested, and we took talk, in talks with them now. They've got the the people available to immediately start on this, and they're very excited about it because they see the huge potential. Mm-hmm.
0: The um People were talking about electric cars probably going all the way back to the 1980s, but it's only really they've only really started to take off in the last 10 years and probably largely been driven at least initially by Elon Musk and, and what he's done at Tesla. Um, do you think that EVs are,
1: are the future of motoring or do you think they're just a stepping stone to hydrogen cars? I think there's a market, there's a place for them as well. But if you want to do the short commute, uh, 50 kilos a day kind of thing going to town, Mm -hmm. your your big issue is even now, I I read in the the papers that uh, some company is spending a couple of billion to, to put up electrical network here, but they can only do 12 cars at a time per station. A station will cost, if I do my calcs, uh, it's about 10 million rands for a station. You can only do 12 cars you can uh, charge.
0: And they have to sit there for at least half an hour. Probably and, more.
1: and this is what happens in the UK. Some of my friends have got um, children there and they live there and, and they, they've all given their, their electric cars back because they say there's a stress factor. If the t- temperature drops, like it's getting cold, mm-hmm. your battery drops, uh-huh. your battery's performance. So they get this stage fright. They sit there and they worry. Mm -hmm. It's a psychological thing. Mm -hmm. Am I going to make it? I mean, this thing is now 20% left. And, you know, can I make it? Can I get to the job? And when I get there, is there a spot where I can charge my car? Because although there's a quick charge, you can do it within uh, 40 or 50 minutes. You can take it up to 60 or 70%. uh, But then you've got to get where you can recharge it. Our systems don't allow it. If you look in, say, the south coast of, of the Cape, Mossel Bay, that, that area, which is very popular in December, if you have 10,000 cars coming down there, all electrical cars, they're going to collapse a grid because they all charge at night. <laughs> yeah. uh, they each have 40 to 50 kilowatts of energy. Where, where, where is it coming from? Our current lines can't support it. So extra energy. So really, it's not... South Africa is not really ideal for electric cars. I think they've got their market. Mm-hmm. But the main thing is hydrogen provided. It's available. And it's affordable. Then it's going to change. And
0: everything. it's neither of those two things right now.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, Unfortunately, no.
0: Is it a chicken and egg situation? I mean, Toyota's been talking about this for years. It has the Mirai, um, but it only has the Mirai. It doesn't have other hydrogen vehicles. What, what's, what's really holding this back? Is it, is it the car companies that are not committing enough focus to it? Is, it? is it that more work needs to be done by companies like Hydrox to get the cost of? Hydrogen down. What, what what are the barriers?
1: I think uh, Toyota itself is now committed. They said they're going to build their own electrolyzers to manufacture the hydrogen for that very simple reason. Mm-hmm. And then also to bring the cost down. But again, they're limited by science. You can't, you've got a membrane. You can't change it. So here we are with new technology that's going to make a dramatic impact there. But yeah, again, it's, it's, uh, it wasn't the commitment. They were scared. Is it electrical? Is it not? And you think about electrical in our roads. If you have a, a car, which the whole floor of the car is a battery. And you hit one of the, our local potholes. Think what the, 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 the uh, chassis is going to do and the battery is going to do. And that battery cracks. Mm. Your car's going to burn out. Mm. So it's, 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 a, it's a risk factor, the electrical cars, for our roads. We're not really geared for electrical cars, although we, we'd like to be, say we are, but mm. it, it's not going to happen. You know, ESCOM is not there to supply all the electricity. So it's a, it's a, it's a challenge. It's a huge challenge. I think it's, it's nice. They will be there, but uh, it, hydrogen is much, much easier. And mm. also big trucks. I mean, the, the space you need for a big battery to, to equalize a uh, hydrogen car, you can't compare. Mm. Uh, trains, there's already trains running on, on hydrogen in uh, Europe. And um, so, if you can have hydrogen uh, coming, taking our oil from the top there once our rails are back again, can you think how much we can save? You can, halfway you have your stop, you fill it up with your hydrogen very quickly and you carry on, especially in the Karoo where you have lots of uh, sunshine, you have your PVs up there. You make your your hydrogen, and uh, when the train stops, you can fill it up. Off it goes. There's a lot of movement going on. There, mm-hmm. lots of inquiries already. People are seeing this and saying, "This is the opportunity. This is how we can uh, revive our rail networks again by hydrogen, or provided they don't, you know, they can keep their lines intact. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll help. But it's uh, electricity can be substituted now. Why is Musk not building hydrogen cars?
0: Hasn't he said some disparaging things about hydrogen in the past?
1: Yeah, he said uh, fuel cells is fuel cells, but I think he's, he's <laughs> going to eat his words. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, we, we'd like to speak to him. I think he's the right guy. He's a brilliant guy. Yeah. So, and he's African, so I'm very proud of him. So, yes, uh, I think uh, he's pushing his own companies because he's so heavily involved in, in you know, he's invested seriously in mm-hmm. this, so he can't really turn against mm-hmm. hydrogen. But I'm sure he's, he's also coming to see the light... And uh, you know, big companies are changing quickly, and it's just amazing what happens. And you get generators now that's running on our diesel or hydrogen dual fuel. It's amazing. So yeah. you. Yep, you can. You can. They're already being made. So and I'm talking of not fuel cells. I'm talking of internal combustion, like the old mm-hmm. Lister engines. They're going to last a long time, and our farmers can associate with them. If you don't have hydrogen, you can go to the polluting um, diesel, which you all know. But this is nice, and it's 40 percent, 48 percent efficiency compared to 30 percent efficiency if you're on it no hydrogen. So mm-hmm. it makes a huge difference. So hydrogen is, is really the future.
0: Right, I'm sure we haven't done the technology any justice in, in this discussion. Uh, I did ask you before the show to, to keep it at a fairly layman's level. Um, we could have gone in a lot more into the technical details. But for anyone who's interested, who do wants to learn, wants to learn someone who wants to learn more about uh, the technology that you've developed here, how it works, how hydrogen fuel cells work, et cetera, et cetera, what's the
1: best place for them to go? Hydrox has a website, does it? Yes, it does, Hydrox Holdings. You can get it on the website. Mm-hmm. And you're welcome to contact us. Our detail is up there.
0: Excellent. Well, Cory de Yager is the founder and CEO of Hydrox Holdings. Uh, thanks for your time and thank you for talking to the Tech Central sh- show today. Much appreciated.
1: Thanks, you uh, for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Duncan. <laughs>